Hello and welcome to Sign, your spiritual indicator for growth now. I am your host, Sherbel Tadros, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about finding your mentor. begin, I would like to thank all the people who have subscribed to this podcast. Your support is very important to me. And now, finding your mentor. Most of us find it very difficult to evolve and improve by ourselves. And this is mainly because we need someone to look at us with fresh yet sharp eyes. When we look around, We find a huge number of so-called life coaches and mentors in different disciplines such as NLP, auto-hypnosis, and an abundance of other programs. Unfortunately, while some of these mentors or gurus may be authentic, the vast majority are in it for the money. In this episode, we will discuss the various criteria that a mentor should possess before apprenticing yourself to him or to her. Finding a true mentor is rare, But once the seeker of wisdom is ready, the universe will place the right mentor, or sometimes more than one mentor, on his path. In this episode, we need to be careful that we're not talking about business or professional consultants. We're talking more about holistic and spiritual mentors. The first and most important criterion when we find a mentor is that the mentor does not charge fees for his counsel, but accepts gifts. As a general rule of thumb, when a guru or a mentor puts a price tag on his coaching, then it's mainly a scam. True wisdom is freely given because the mentor knows that by sharing his wisdom, he will only be gaining more of it. I have seen mentors and gurus charging hundreds and even thousands of dollars for single sessions with them. In spirituality, this goes completely against every principle. On the other hand, It is the duty of the disciple to show gratitude to his mentor, who will gracefully accept any kinds of gifts, be it financial or otherwise, as long as it is given with love, L-O-V-E, lots of valuable energy. However, true mentors know that not all disciples can afford gifts. Yet, this is no reason to refuse their discipleship. While the universe will find appropriate ways to reward the mentor for his work, The mentor doesn't really care about this. Enjoying the evolution of the disciple is a tremendously more rewarding gift for the mentor beyond any gift. The second criterion is that a mentor builds trust with his disciples before anything else. A mentor knows that the road to wisdom and personal evolution is not easy, and many disciples can't handle all the hardships which need to be endured on the way. Accordingly, The mentor knows that he may have to sometimes force his disciple to do things which are outside his nature and maybe even difficult in order to overcome certain fears, faults, or shortcomings. If trust is not there, the student can easily give up and leave to go find another mentor. However, if there is enough trust and love between the mentor and the disciple, the latter will know that the former wouldn't ask him to do something haphazard, and that there is a very important lesson to be learned from the assigned task. 
This is why most mentors would require a promise of almost absolute obedience from their disciples as a test of faith. I think most of us who have read stories about gurus and disciples see this test of trust as the first thing a mentor or a guru does to his disciples. The third criterion is that a mentor can discuss almost anything. While a mentor may have certain areas of expertise, he should have enough general knowledge about almost anything. When he doesn't, he can admit it while making sure to research it for later. Because it may be an important anchor into the disciple's spirit. Moreover, a mentor who has learned just one method and uses it with every disciple is not truly a mentor. Such a coach will not be able to work or succeed with all his students, but only with the limited number on whom the methodology can be applied. For example, if a mentor is experienced in NLP, he will only be able to use NLP with his clients. So a mentor who is experienced with NLP and uses NLP with all his clients will not have a complete success rate because NLP does not work on everyone. Such a person may be better employed as a professional consultant, where he is only able to tackle his areas of expertise and not much more. On the other hand, a true mentor takes in the disciple globally, assesses his personality, strength, weaknesses, fears, and faults, and then devises an adaptable personalized plan for each disciple accordingly. The fourth criterion is experience, because a mentor sees a lesson in every experience. There is no need to create hypothetical situations or virtual scenarios each disciples needed lessons. The true mentor knows that life will provide the necessary opportunities to send a message to the disciple in the most efficient manner. Therefore, a mentor only prepares a general plan of work with his disciples and modifies it based on what is currently happening in the disciple's life. Sometimes the mentor may use problems from his own life in order to send a message across. The mentor does not see the disciple as a client, but as an extension of himself through which the will of the universe is being executed. While a paid coach would not teach everything so that the student keeps coming back for more, a true mentor gives everything he has and more, wanting his disciple to become better than he is. In doing so, the mentor and the disciple evolve together and become even better conduits of the will of the universe. The fifth criterion is that a mentor may refuse disciples indirectly. While a life coach or any type of consultant or trainer takes in almost all students, especially the ones that pay, since they are paying clients, a mentor only takes those whom he deems ready. When a disciple is not ready, the mentor will not tell him to go away per se. Instead, he would set him on a seemingly impossible yet useful task. If the disciple accomplishes it, he becomes ready to be adopted by the mentor. On the other hand, if the disciple fails or abandons the given task, he will remove himself from the mentor's tutelage and then either abandon the idea of finding a mentor altogether or goes looking for another mentor. The sixth criterion is that a mentor finds and creates opportunities for his disciples. When a mentor accepts his disciple, he will employ all his network for the success, benefit and betterment of his disciple. While a coach simply points the direction, the mentor takes his disciple by the hand and provides him with the best opportunities at his disposal 
in order to make him better than he ever was. The seventh criterion is that a mentor can be anyone. While coaches work on becoming famous and successful, a mentor is content with himself. He may or may not be famous, but in either case, it makes no difference when he chooses his disciples. Many mentors work from behind the scenes and are not authorities in any field in particular. However, they all have one thing in common, which is practical wisdom. They may have the knowledge of various methods that can be used in different fields, but they rely more on intuition and a true connection with their disciples in order to help them perfect themselves as much as possible. Despite all their wisdom, mentors do not need to have perfect lives in the eyes of the world, yet their lives are perfect in their own eyes, for they provide ample opportunities to evolve, learn and teach. A mentor may be homeless, have trouble with his family, or be facing any other problems, yet that does not decrease his wisdom nor his power at all. In fact, it is through their utter humanity that true mentors can actually impart wisdom upon their disciples. While a coach shares his knowledge from his high horse, a real mentor does it through a genuine sharing of experience with his disciples. Finally, anyone from the most illiterate farmer to the most highly educated doctor can be a true mentor provided he has practical wisdom shared through humility, can exercise empathy by being intimately connected with his disciples and offers his counsel freely with love while receiving their gratitude with similar love. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again in another episode of Sign. Don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to share.